Welcome to Juice Podcast. I'm Emily Harmon. And I'm Gwen Douglas. Today we're doing the Jura, <laughs> which is one of my favourite regions. And I've got such a soft spot for it. I think I've, that's what I've been reading, that it's like every sommelier sort of like <laughs> yeah. the darling of the sommelier world. It's definitely become like the hipster appellation. But I mean, it wasn't always the case. Stuff. No? No, it wasn't always the case. It's, I know that um, it's quite interesting because there used to be a wine shop in Hackney that was dead, called 259. Okay. Um, that used to only have Jura wine. So they oh, had really? Auvenoir, Ganavar, all of these amazing producers. And that's all they sold because the wines were totally like... Unknown. Sort of unknown. Oh, wow. So they got like loads of allocation right. of the wines. And they were getting calls. Already the Jura wow. kind of hype was taking off in the US. They were getting calls from New York saying like, what can I buy? Wow. Can I buy anything? And they weren't selling to them. And, uh, and that was in, I think that closed in around 2012, 2013. Would that just have been that now there was more, like they just didn't have the wines anymore? Well, they, moved they, just... to, they moved to Berlin actually. You oh, know okay. one of the guys that set up ah. there? Who now lives in Portugal. Ah, Sugar, okay, Florian. yes, yes, laddie, yes, okay. <laughs> Him and Melena, it was oh, their shop in, cool. uh, in, in London. And Amazing. then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, and I remember at that time in 2012, I was right. in my first buying job, and it was the first time I had tried oh, wines cool. from this region, and it was Ganava was the first right. producer, and I remember going out for lunch <laughs> with David Not Kenner. a bad first. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> And, um, and uh, yeah, I got taken out for lunch with a supplier and he bought these two bottles and I think we ended up even drinking them and, like, it wasn't just a tasting. Right, just, just like, like, this is so good. Yeah. And I listed one of the wines from Ganava, Cuvée Florine, by the glass in London wow. for a year and a half and I was the only person pouring it by the glass in London. Wow. And not because it, the price or anything right. like that. It was you just, just people didn't it. know the, And not many right. people knew the wines. Yeah. And now they're, like, allocation wines where they're really tricky wow. to get hold of. Like, that's how radically different it has changed it's in so a wild, short right? period of time. It's amazing that even, like, fashion and tastes and things like this can change so much so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Because now it's definitely one of the places that we touched upon uh, in, the, in the last few episodes talking about, um, yeah, prices going up on the secondary yeah, market. Exactly. This is definitely a place that Happens you see all the time. Yeah, a lot of these Auvernois, especially. Yeah, miroir. Like miroir. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, for good reason in some ways, um, the popularity part of it, not the prices, right. but, um, you know, the wines are so drinkable, I think, that they, right. especially yes. with, I think, where everybody's palates are at at the moment, you know, lighter, fresher wines, right. mineral wines, more savoury wines. Yeah, I was going to say, also, like, the sort of quirkiness that people crave these days, too, that's something that's a little different and unusual. Yeah. I think there's, like, everything in Jura that you can have something... Yes. Easy yeah. drink and light and something complicated and complex and mm. challenging. And I think for those who don't know where the Jura is, yes. um, for anyone who's in Germany, they might, you might hear people say Jura um, because it starts with a J. So that, that sometimes I've heard sommeliers oh, okay. saying Jura here, but um, I say Jura because yeah. that's what they say. Um, so we're about 50 kilometers east of Burgundy. Right. So um, very close to the Swiss, on the Swiss, right, border, on the Swiss border, where Comte cheese comes from. So it's between Burgundy and Switzerland, cool climate, continental right. climate. So fresh wines being produced there because of the climate. Uh, but the last one we're going to try today is kind of, kind of full-bodied and yeah. a bit out there. <laughs> out there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little tougher. But then I guess like grapes. So there are five, five major grapes, I guess, in yep. Jura, Chardonnay. 
For the whites, for the whites, Sauvignon, Sauvignon, yeah. Pulsar, for the reds, for the Pulsar. reds, Pinot Noir, yes, and the last one, was Trousseau, Trousseau. I always forget, Mr. Yeah. Trousseau, yes, <laughs> Mr. Trousseau. I'm imagining a little cartoon. Yes, totally. Actually. I imagine a little bit like the With a little moustache for some reason, and, a, and an overcoat, some sort of <laughs> yes, like. I don't know what, yeah. Manuel from Forty Towers, yeah, something like just a little like <laughs> yes. small. Someone from an Agatha yeah. Christie film, yes, totally. One book, I should say. Oh, I watched a sort of mystery today. Anyway. So yeah, so yeah, Chardonnay, people know. I guess like what would be the, I guess the way that the winemaking is made in Jura is how it sets it apart. Is that what's going on? Or is it also the I climate very different from places where we'd normally see Chardonnay? Yeah, I think the soils are different. Um, and there's a, I mean, so depending where you are in the Jura, um, there's sort of clay soils on the, on the flatter right. vineyards, okay. the higher ones, limestone. And there's quite a lot of this uh, soil type called marl, mm-hmm. which is, um, yeah, particularly blue marl, is in the area of Chateau okay. Chalon. So you often find that the Sauvignon is, is uh, planted on the marl and the Chardonnay um, on yeah, the clay and the limestone. Just the like Sauvignon the brought is, yeah, also yeah. grown on marl. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, yeah, like what you said, different, difference in wine style, but I would say as well, like for people who do like drinking Burgundian wines, right. actually there are quite a right. number of producers yes. that are great alternatives and it's Agreed. like a fraction of the price. It's just now impossible to get hold of some right. of the wines. <laughs> yes. That's the difference. But the no, wines haven't, them, yeah. yeah, they haven't gone crazy. They've definitely gone up a lot in price. Right. Like maybe they're 150% or something. So like I used to buy them for early teens in the UK as a buyer. So maybe a 20 euro right. wine, maybe they're now like 30 euro wines. Right. Or, or more five yeah. or something um but yeah so i think yeah it's to say that like not everyone from the jura is the oxidative style no but, but exactly it's like, there and there are some but then there are some yeah and some of the like style. iconic upcoming producers for example julian labbe pretty much all of his wines are topped up wines they're non-oxidative okay. right um so and they've got the same kind of lovely texture fine acidity um, there's a lot of lap- like crossovers right. with Burgundy in that way. Also, producers vinifying wines from like multiple producers picking from single vineyards ah, okay. and putting the vineyards on the like nice. crew on okay. the on the labels as well. So you get to see winemaker expression of yeah, sight cool. right. too. And also, you see, uh, you know, I really think it's a region for terroir as well. And a little fact as well about like some of the Chardonnay vines uh in the Jura there's some of the oldest Chardonnay vines in France oh, because it was never a commercial winemaking region it was just in the same for way. drinking in that space sort of thing yeah I mean it was a very it was a great it was a a region actually where a lot of the wines stayed local like I remember okay. when I went one of on one of my visits to the Jura I was visiting um a producer called Berthe Bondé and they said you know like 10 years before so like 2005 you wouldn't even get people from like it would be a surprise if somebody from outside of the Jura would come and visit your winery in France so now they're getting international people so it's a very very quick transition it sounds really fast yeah to go from like a sort of closed community almost wine community to suddenly being yeah a sort of gold star on the yeah yes wow and I mean just to go back on that on that note so the, the vines there they were never pulled up and replanted for different clones for example so it's more you know it's very a lot of small holdings it's only two two thousand hectares under vine so it's a small region anyway yeah um and the main um industry there for sort of i guess the most important industry was salt actually oh really so there's quite a few producers that now keep their wine in old salt cellars oh that's cool yeah i actually did not know any of that 
So a little Learning bit of extra fact. <laughs> yeah. We should maybe get some wine in the glass while we yeah, carry let's on. let's do it. So we've got your wine. We're going to carve in them today because we're recording early in the week and I want to drink them later in the week. That, that's fine. We don't we've want got. to waste things. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to carve in this. And uh, what have we got here, Gwen? So let me get my notes up because I've never tried this one. This one was a recommendation. So it's a, I went to Passion Vin in uh, Berlin. François Rousset Martin. And it's a, a pulsar. From Nevis sur Seille, a village tucked away in the Valley des Reculés, uh, where they where they make their wine. So apparently, yeah, it's just a nice. As far as I can tell from the description, should be a good description of what Pulsar should look like. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean the color looks like it's right. wrapped on here. Like so it's got this say. kind of like orange bricky color, even when it's young. Yeah, this is what I was reading, that it always has this sort of light and that it also lends itself well to being made into white wine because of this lightness. Is that correct? Or did Interesting. Ever... I haven't had a, maybe a white that's a, from... Maybe I'm confused. Pulsar, but... Probably confused. No, but I mean, it'd be interesting. Good. I'm sure there's someone making it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Pulsar for me is really... I mean, it's... Who... I mean, I... Yeah, let's... let's... The colour is... Yes, it smells great, Gwen. Mmm, Yeah. Yeah, what I love about this this uh, particular grape variety, it's not for everybody's taste, I think. It's a savoury, yeah. Yeah, massively savoury. There's this spiciness to it, mm. this earthiness to it. Um, it definitely has that, like, meaty little blood. Yeah, almost like, and for me, that kind of bay leaf note, actually, which oh, I haven't yeah, totally. seen in it before, actually. But... Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, light in color, like mm. low in tannin, high in acidity, very really fresh, like crunchy. crunchy. You know, maybe this is for people that haven't tried this mm. before, but are used to drinking maybe some of the like more natural wines from the Loire, for red. example, or some of the Loire red grapes. This, you know, or Pinot. I was gonna say it has some Pinot yeah. memories of Pinot, yeah. but maybe a little, maybe a little yeah, crunchier than. Pinot might be in my yeah head. lighter. I think lighter, lighter and I think less fruity as well. Yeah, and less aromatic. But these are always so like easy to just smash at the dinner table. You know, yeah. this is like I think why Luke, like Lucas, my partner, loves Jura wines, and it's such a like sit around the dinner ta- dinner dinner table after and just like mm. drink bottle after bottle of Jura wines. Yeah, because they've got something. They've got this really Moorish nature because of totally. this racy acidity that's there, the mineral like component to the wines, and I think. Also, they're just interesting because they're not, they're not fruit bombs, you know. Right. So they kind of, they're sort of edges, a savory edge the whole time to the wine, which is making it really appealing. At least that's that's what I like about it. Do you, are are a lot of pulsar are they generally oaked or because it's definitely no? I would say in general unoaked. Like, I mean, oak isn't. I'm, I was going to say oak isn't a thing in the Jura. I mean, everybody uses right. oak, uh, but usually extent. large, old oak. I mean, particularly for the whites. I mean, for Van Jones, right. when we get to it, we're talking about people keep using yes. it for decades, right. if not hundreds, like centuries okay. sometimes. Well, you know, yeah. They don't replace <laughs> the barrels. And I would say this is also why um, one of the things I love about uh, the Jura is that that there, there really is this expression of fruit and expression of place because it's not a region that the wines are heavily oaked and heavily right. manipulated. Okay. Yeah, good to know. I mean, because a yeah. lot of people also often are turned off by wines from from Burgundy, for example, because they're not super into oaky wines. Yeah. So maybe it's a nice place to go yes. have a look and see if yeah. you like that yeah, lighter sure. style that's unoaked. For sure. 
I was just reading in my notes that I hadn't read before. Is it? Oh, he grew up at the winemaker. She grew up in Burgundy. His father's mm. a microbiologist, mm. which is interesting. So he apparently spent a lot of childhood trips growing uh, in the Jura as a child, falling in love with a parcel of vines that he later vinified with his father. So actually, this that's kind nice. of a nice romantic story of the place, which yes. yeah, yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. Yeah, so he talks about, I guess, wanting to know the terroir better. And this is, he has quite a big uh, selection of wines. I think this winemaker makes lots yeah, of different... Yeah, I saw that. It's difficult to distinguish look. them because actually the no, labels like, are so similar as well, aren't they? Actually, trying to find any information about this winemaker was actually quite challenging, to be honest. It's good that you found it. You found it from Kermit Lynch, though, Yeah, right? which it, that was the only place that really had a, a large amount of... But then they had lots of great info. So they make actually a lot of different, uh, mostly white, just a couple of reds. There, I would definitely buy this again for. Uh, I think Luki will enjoy this later. <laughs> yeah, and I think I mean going on to the just that note about multiple wines being made by producers. I mean, right. I went when I visited Julian Labbe. I think we tried something like thirty six different wines. I mean, it's but wild. From bottle, yeah. And I think there were some different vintages, obviously, yeah, but yeah. like still, you know, because. It, again, like Burgundy, small plots. Yeah, right, exactly. And labelling the small plots as small plots. I think that just makes it so much more interesting, yeah. especially if he's saying that this is something that drives him, is this like understanding of the relationship in, between terroir and taste that, of course, then you feel like a winemaker like this wants to be exploring as many different yes. computations of things to figure out what best suits their... It's funny, I was thinking about what I would eat, eat with this. And I don't even eat rabbit, but for some reason I think no, rabbit would be amazing with this. It's yeah. like the first thing that popped into my head. Yeah, like or a, even, I agree, like anything like guinea fowl, like kind of like that light, light game. Yeah, right, like And white meat, right. for sure. So I think, Delicious. yeah, rabbit stew with this would be... Or even pasta, easy yeah. pasta dish would go well. And what about, like, I mean, I'm thinking as well on the table where maybe you've got people going fish and poultry or yeah. fish and... Yeah, oh, actually, that's you know, a great idea. Yeah, because if there's no tannin. Right, yeah. Yeah. Mm, I could totally see that. Mm. Delicious. This is beautiful, actually. It's very polished. I'm very happy with this purchase. It's always nice when you buy something and you're like, yes, <laughs> actually. Especially like if you're going on rec- recommendation, yeah, right? I'm I, always nervous yeah. to trust people's recommendations. And I've just started uh, seeing this particular person working at the shop, so it's actually nice to... Building some trust. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because now I know the recommendations I've gotten from him so far have been really nice, so... I mean, I, as we've talked about in the previous seasons, I love asking people for recommendations and buying things blind. But of course, then I hate it. Yeah, you're always at a risk. <laughs> then I overbuy because then you think like, fuck, what happens if this one is shit? Then I better get another one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you end up buying way more than you need, yeah. actually. So I think it's definitely... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing worse when you're in a restaurant and you've trusted someone with the oh, recommendation and, like, and then you're like, oh, I'm, so I'm too English to tell you that I hate this. <laughs> yes, it's great. It's fine. Oh, it's like the absolute worst when you're like... It's awful. <laughs> That's what's great about drinking at home, you know? It's like the other day we opened something that was far too sweet and it was just one of those like, well, let's try something else. Smash it in the fridge. We'll do this later. I mean, the great thing about a sweet wine is at least you've got a bit longer as well yes, to, to deal with it. Yeah, to deal with it. To deal with it. To get it down the hatch. <laughs> yeah. To figure out how to consume it. This next one I love. I've definitely had this. I don't know if I've had this vintage. I can't remember what vintage this is. So we've is. got um, Domaine de Tournelle, Fleur de Sauvignon 2017. Which I actually think is here on the wine list at Aura. 
going to try and find more notes on. I think we've got. I think we've got some sixteen and seventeen in the in the cellar here. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Tornell, particularly if they're whites. I think they make excellent whites. Yeah, I think like yeah. I also like a lot the Cuvée d'Automne. Is yep. another one of my favorites that I usually drink at Brasserie La Mazère here. He always mm. has these. Like a lot. We drank some Jura when we were there, actually. Yeah, yeah. we had some Labo when mm-hmm. you and I went. Sure. Pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it smells really very lovely. Oh my god, what a wine! Mm. Um, so Sauvignon, not to be confused with Sauvignon. Um, and I actually only learnt today that it's part of the Treminer family. Yes. Which I oh, find oh, very. Of course. <laughs> Any any excuse to plug some yeah, good I actually find it really amusing because Lucas, my partner's favorite region, is Jura. <laughs> so it makes me laugh that like Savagnin is like one of his go-tos. And so it just tickles me a little bit that it's part of the Gerberts Treminer family. You yes. have Treminer, Red Treminer. Yes. And then uh, Savagnin and Gerberts Treminer being yes. that little fam. Look, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> so happy. <laughs> you see, it's like... Maybe Gewürztraminer is still just like the, the dorky cousin and Savigny is like the cool kid on the block, like the artsy kid. Yes. But They're on the I same like block. <laughs> yeah. They're part of the same family, all right. <laughs> but I, you should do like a little Royal Tenenbaums like <laughs> sketch of the, of the Traminer family. Of the Traminer family? What Maybe they would look like. Not a bad idea, actually. Yeah. But this has such a nice nose on it, too. It has like... This would probably be... Um, what's her name? Gwyneth Paltrow's character, maybe. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. What's yeah. her name again in that film? I can't it's remember. Margot. Margot. There you yeah. go. Yeah. It has a really, like, it almost makes me think of, like, pear tart. Yes. I mean, it's a non-aromatic grape variety, so it is different to Sauvignon right. or Gewürztraminer. But, um, and I always find that it's got, I mean, this particular one anyway, it's got this lovely kind of creamy edge. There's yeah, probably a little, a little bit of malolactic or something that's gone on. Oh, yeah. Uh, on the it back, says it right says here, on the yeah. leaves, right? Uh, hang on. Is there something? Yeah. Malolactic fermentation in barrels following the spring with top-ups of the roulage. And it's kept time. on its leaves for two years, it says on the back, too. And then, yeah. And this is a topped-up version. So this is non-oxidative. Um, but what's quite nice about this is it's still wine with a lot of intensity on the yeah, palate. Yeah, still... Energetic. Yeah. There's still so much going on that I think you could... Yeah. And a lot of tension. Mm. This lovely like, razor-sharp acidity. Like, imagine if this hadn't gone through malolactic and didn't have yeah. these aging. Oh, it would, it be, would like... be like a walking down Brighton Beach on a January. Yeah. <laughs> I can already feel my stomach hurting thinking about that. Yeah. It would just be like... Yeah, too much. Yeah. <laughs> Gasoline. But yeah, yeah, it's so... It's definitely... Whenever, if I see it on a list and we're looking for something, I mean, I like to order this one. I've bought mm. lots of bottles of it. Oh. I really think you can't go wrong with this. Producer. Slight nutty edge yes, as well. Yes, that's the like, because mm. then you still get that like, almond. that Jura nuttiness yeah. that I feel like when we buy something from Jura, I'm it's always. Like nutty and salty. Yes. It's like walnuts and like I love walnuts and that kind of anything with bitter finish, yeah. I'm really a big fan of. So I think like it gives you that nutty thing without being so intensely. Or being oxidative at all. So you kind yeah. of, yeah, you feel like you've got that, but don't have to deal with the. And what's impressive about this wine is it's zero sulfur, right? Uh, yeah, without CO2. Yeah. yeah. No unfiltered I mean, wine. It's like put fully natural and it's pristine. Right, it is like. 
And this really is a region for natural wine producers as well. Yeah, I mean, for a small that. region, there's an abundance of yeah. natural producers. I wonder if that's also part of its history of being a sort of closed-in community where yeah. it wasn't tradition. It's yeah. traditional winemaking. It's not. And it wasn't some made bad. to travel. So yeah. I think like when you have wines that are traditionally made in a place and not meant to travel, why would you be adding things if you're consuming them? Yes, and also I mean one thing as well is just to be aware of is also I think pH as well. pH oh, interesting. Of the soil, yeah. pH of the wine is lower as well, so you don't have to use the same amount. Oh, of interesting. I, I guess because then things don't grow as fast yeah. in that pH level. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I really. I mean, there's not much else to say about this one other than. Is it like a, would you class it as being like a representative of Sauvignon? When you yes, think 100%. A topped up Sauvignon okay. from the Jura from a natural producer is, an, I think, an excellent example of okay. that. Cool. Yeah. And I guess, is there, yeah, so the pear notes on the, on the or pear on the nose, or mm. it would be the sort of white fruit yeah, and orchard, orchard, yeah, orchard yeah, fruit. Exactly. And orchard fruit and um, some citrusy notes. And then I think that saltiness, the right. nuttiness. So I guess that like I guess maybe that's why it works. It's often put in blends with Chardonnay, also in that region. Yes, correct. Yeah, and I feel like those things all kind of work together. Orchard fruit and yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a nice, nice. Yeah, I love this. Yum, Definitely yum. be drinking this. Yum 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 yum. On the balcony. <laughs> yup, that's Ludwig putting his two cents in. <laughs> He's like yes. <laughs> mm. It's delicious. Hmm. It was actually hard, I think, for us to pick, like, bottles to bring for this region because... There's too many to choose yes! from. Yes, and it's like you kind of want to show mm. everything because it's like... Mm. We talked about that also Jura makes sparkling. Yes. So they do also crema and... A van de pay as well, which oh. is a, a sweet fortified. It's like... It's like a, a ripasso or It's of? basically... It's like um, Pinot, uh, Pinot uh, de Chirante from Bordeaux. So it's a mistel. Oh, okay. So it's unfermented grape juice that has been fortified right. with a grape okay. spirit. Gotcha. So I'm not a huge fan of this style of... Okay. Because I always find that you've got this very kind of grapey, almost... Like um, rapa or... Because oh, it's sweeter. And oh, it, I, yeah! It gives you that sort of like yes, the really like grape juice. Yes, and yes. it feels a little bit like this. You know, like that fake grape flavoring. Yes. I love it. I know. I thought you would. <laughs> and it's just like, and then there's this kind of brandy edge to it that it just, I don't know. I mean, I also love Macfin, which is also something yeah, else. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm describing Macvan. Yeah, that's right what I now. thought not, you were. Not Van der Pey. I, I was like, why I'm doing that. So I was like, that Van der Pey. Van der Pey is the straw one. Right, but they like, dry them out on straw. That's more like repasso. Which makes right? yes, yes, yeah, okay. yes. Yeah. And then Macvan. Oh, is, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Because Macvan, like, like, yes. Because yeah. I know that you're not a huge fan of the Macvan. No, I have a bottle of Macvan Rouge at my house. So when you come, we'll open it. Yeah, because every time I look at it, and I'm like. It's going to be there Basically, for Basically, all long that time. horrible stuff you have in your cupboard is the shit I love. But people do really love Mac. Yeah, I love it. And I think, obviously, with cheese, it could be great. Yeah, at the end of... Yeah, at the end yeah. of... I think it's, like, a nice alternative to... I mean, I hang out with a lot of schnapps drinkers. So it's, like, if you're not a schnappsy person, it's also something nice at the end to have a splash off that's not as hardcore. That Sauvignon is it's insane. so good! <laughs> it's one of because those I wines that's dangerous because you're just, like... <laughs> You keep it evaporates. Yeah. Mm. That's why That's I want to carve in it because I'm going to smash that in the yeah. right in the right moment. Yeah. After the work week is is finished. Maybe not. Maybe midway through the week when the sunshine is shining. All that too. Yeah. <laughs> We've been planning a day holiday in <laughs> yeah. Berlin. 
So the next one, I'm really actually happy that you brought a Vangeon, even though I have not loved drinking them in the past. And this is not just any Vangeon. So this is 2012 Arbois Vangeon from Jacques Puffini, who no longer produces wine. So. And one of the most iconic producers. Like when he decided he did 60 vintages. Wow. Of winemaking. And when he had no kids to take on the winery, so he sold it. Wow. And it was like... I mean, you're right, because yeah. why came on to it last vintage was... Wowzer. 17 or 18. So I think this is the last... I think it was either 17 or 18 was the last vintage that he made. But the Van Joan will be... This is uh, 13's last vintage, I think, he produced of the Van wow, Joan. So this is the second to last vintage... Can't buy it anywhere now because it's completely Because it does out. take a long time to make a Vajon, right? It's over six years. Yeah. It's six years and three months um, that the wine has to be kept in barrels. So Vajon is always bottled in these uh, 62 centiliters. They're very charming. Yeah, they are. They're very like very old French. school, very French. I love yeah. it. Um, so they're always coming in this size bottle. And the reason for that is, they say, is that due to the winemaking method, which is the wine barrels are never topped up. And they're usually yes. left with, um, they're usually actually left with some air as well. And then the wine is left there and checked on. And something very unique happens because of the climate and conditions. And allow very it to special happen. yeast from that region, right? Yeah. And that grows over the top of the, of the wine and protects it from spoiling. And it's very similar to the floor that we right. see in sherry. But I've heard that it's much thinner than the floor. It's that much thinner. And it's called a like souvoile. It means under the veil. So also romantic under yeah. the veil. And it does look like, it actually looks a little bit like, like a spider's a web. Yeah. yeah like okay. lacy, you right. know, like, like it does. Thin... Yeah. Whereas in, in sherry and in, in, in so Marath, it looks a little the... bit like a carpet. I was going to say like the liner under the yes. carpets in the car, you know, yes. like this sort of like undermining yes. to a carpet. Yeah. It does. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that. And, um, yeah, six and six years and three months in barrel before bottling. And, <sighs> So I mean, the bottle this is such shape a process for like is due to the amount of evaporation ah, okay. that would have been left oh, from a standard bottle over that time. Oh, that's fascinating because that's why it, this is what's interesting about this as well. So it's fourteen percent alcohol. It wasn't when it went into barrel. Right. That's because of as the water right. evaporates out, it concentrates it just gets the flavour and the alcohol. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's quite an intense wine. Right. So it's unfortified wine right. that's oxidatively made under a, a veil of yeah. floor. So, so it's unfortified sherry. So when we talked about me, when I said I didn't enjoy eating it or drinking it, it's because I've had to, I would say, like, endure a bottle during a very light dinner. Where, and the bottle that we had, and I can't remember what it was, it just sort of killed everything. So I would say this is the wine that, for someone like me or with my palate, that I, it needs to be well-placed. In the right context. Yeah, I think so. Or, I mean, or, or you've just got to love it as well. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, if, yeah. so I said, for someone like me who's not like... I mean, because I know people that love this stuff. That yeah, are like, I mean, it's super umami, this yeah. wine. This is epic. That's why, like, the people I know that love it are chefs. Yeah. They go bananas for it. I mean, for me, it's just, like, some of the best wines I've ever had. Are right. like old van, Like, when you have an old Van Joan that's, like, decades old, and it becomes even more umami, it takes on right. these, like, mushroomy, almost marmite yeah, totally. kind of flavours. Yeah. Oh, it's just heaven on earth. Because also the acidity just drops a little bit as right. well. It's got very high acidity. Again, that's also something. I mean, it has like a sake kind of a feeling about it because of this umami. Umami, yeah. Enoki kind of, mushroom kind of vibe. Right. So, so this is 100% Sauvignon. It's always 100% okay. Sauvignon of its Van Joan. Okay. 
Um, this one's from Abois, but there's a smaller appellation called Chateau Chalon, which is uh, like just and all blue mild, and that's always Vangeau yes. style wines. So if you see Chateau Chalon, it's this style of wine. And what I was reading about that particular appellation is that they come and check the grapes every year, and basically, if the grapes are not up to snuff, they won't, for allow, that, they won't allow them to make it for that year. Yeah, so you know that it's going to be good quality. quality. Yes. So mm. when you see that on the label, you know that it's like top notch. That's not to say that Vingeon's from other regions, because it is made in other regions or under the appellation of, of Vendor. Other parts of the yeah. Jura, just right. Vingeon. Yeah. Vingeon, yeah. Like so, that's what we're trying right. now. So it's, exactly, not to say that if it's not from that region, it's yeah. not good. Cause, and these can't, because the, this producer was located in Arbois, so they're coming from there, the yeah, grapes. Right. But yeah. Mm. I mean, it smells, it, it smells amazing, but it's also one of these, like... That's why I, when I say, like, for me, it's something that needs to be in the right context is that I either want to be eating the right food or mm-hmm. just in the right headspace. Because I just don't think this is something I would open every day or in just any which day. But mm. it has actually a real caramelly, salty... Mm. It's a very interesting smell. Yeah, I love it. And, I mean, wow. traditionally, two things to eat with this. Mm. One, Comté, obviously. It's, like, the best pairing for Comté cheese. Mm. And... Changing your mind? This one's a pretty interesting. Mm. It almost has like more fruit in the taste that I think I would imagine. Okay. Like a sort of caramel apple mm. salted nut mm. pastry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so Comte cheese would be my pairing. I mean. And then the, the most, one of my all time favorite dishes. Which is actually, I'm so amazed, actually, it's on the menu at the new Noble, Noble yeah. in Soho. So it's chicken cooked in Van Joan in like a creamy mm, sauce. Yeah. So you usually have like a whole chicken broken up, cooked in this creamy sauce with this wine mixed through it. Um, I mean, and morels, delicious. like morels that yeah. you put inside as well. And if you want to go all out, and then you usually serve it with rice. So this is the local dish in the region yeah, it sounds you have. very, yeah. I think Raymond Blanc even makes because he's from the Jura. He I mean, makes I can a... totally see that. Because I was gonna say actually, like because Luki loves uh, Jura stuff. Whenever I buy Jura, I usually buy it if he's making something truffly, mushroomy. Yeah. Like one of my favorite dishes that we paired with a more oxidative Sauvignon was like a cabbage casserole, but in a creamy uh, mushroom. It was like an intense mushroom powder that he had, and then truffle, and it was this sort of like cream umami bomb cabbage dish with Sounds meat amazing with something like this is like yeah i could totally mm. get down with that mm. you know actually some austrian food mm. this sort of like caraway seed and cream yep. and like lighter meats like pork or whatever i yep. could totally see mm. this is a very nice vengeon you might have i might have changed you might have changed my mind <laughs> yeah it's actually You're like just saying that because you found out there's a family link to convert stramina now so <laughs> no no, because I actually think like, but maybe it's like the same. I would happily drink a glass, but maybe in the past, having to commit to a whole bottle during dinner has been. I mean, eating, quite, drinking a whole bottle is quite a commitment as well. I mean, I could a, do it, but for the everyday person, it was a commitment that time because yeah. it also like alone or with somebody. We were three people. Okay, that's not so. But bad. then the bottle still took a while. When you're three people, it's not like yeah. one glass and then you're moving on. That there are. Mm. Two grape varieties that you don't really see anywhere else, do you? Like so much? Is Poussal no. and Trousseau grown anywhere else yeah, other and than Jura? Exactly, you don't. And the same with Sauvignon. I mean, it pops up in a few places now, but really. Right. These are really indigenous grapes to this area. Because we talked about it uh, before we started recording that I read somewhere that Sauvignon is actually planted a lot more than we think in Australia because it was misnamed as Alvarino for Alvarino, a long time. Alvarino, yeah. 
It was yes. like a mistake with some cuttings that came. Mm. So now they're starting to switch over and name it Sauvignon. I think they might have a... Not, do they make sweet wines? Never mind. I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah, because I was like... You know, I, when I cram sometimes the info, it, it doesn't go in in a line. It gets turns into like a... <laughs> spaghetti, a bowl yeah, of spaghetti. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's sort of what's going on. I'm going to pull this out. Is that the same thing? It's like a trifle salad? in my head right now. <laughs> yeah. Just like jello and cream and some bits of fruit salad <laughs> turning over. So we'll leave that for next time. <laughs> yes. And I think next time we're going to be doing sherry. Right? Yeah, I'm really excited, actually. Because I don't know that much about sherry. It's also not something I drink a lot of. But I know that you are a fan. I'm a massive sherry fan. So I'm, so I'm actually excited, excited to yeah. go on a, a virtual journey to Jerez with you. Yes. Wine, as we can't travel anywhere at the yeah, moment. Yeah, no. And I feel like uh, I can just sit here and have a private lesson for one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. And you guys are here too. Fine. <laughs> yeah. So I think until next time. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter at Juice underscore podcast on instagram at juice.podcast <laughs> and otherwise you can find us on our own private instagrams emily's on vina lupa and i'm gwen gwen's douglas. on gwen douglas yeah. gwen with a u yeah so until next time until next time cheers, cheers. <laughs>